besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Time on with Sam Edmund. Uh, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Time On. Uh, sorry to disappoint you. Sam Hargraves in for Sam Edmund, who's doing a cracking job filling in for Jared Waitley today. And of course, Time On is always your say on the news of the day. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number, and there is plenty. Uh, to wet your beak with in what's been going on throughout the course of the weekend and, of course, uh, the round itself. And uh, Monday, too, which continues to dish up uh, story after story. So let's just work our way through it. Um, the injury carnage that continues in the AFL at the moment is is quite extraordinary. I'm going to bring you some numbers very shortly on just how many players and the amount of players that are injured and just some of the big names uh, that are succumbing to injury and wondering when this will start to raise uh, the alarm bell or we'll hear the alarm bells ringing because it just seems where it might just be a perception thing. It might just be uh, that, that we're a bit more sensitive to it given the uh, reduc- reduction in rotations that we're playing 30 minutes more this year than to last year and we knew that there was going to be an adjustment period to that. Are we ultra sensitive to it or is it a real thing? Well, I'm going to bring you some numbers on that shortly, but uh, the injury carnage continued out of the round. Taylor Adams from the Pies, if they didn't have enough problems as it was, Set to miss the next 10 weeks. Last year's best and fairest. He was all Australian as well. MCL strain. Uh, power duo Xavier Dersma, 10 to 12 with a lateral ligament. And you saw those scenes at the end of the game and the incredible win for Port Adelaide against Richmond. He was in, he was massive in that last quarter uh, and clearly was in a lot of discomfort. It was clearly quite emotional after the win. 10 to 12 weeks for Xavier Dersma and Zach Butters out with syndesmosis as well. So they'll have surgery on those respective injuries. Steve May could miss the next month after that fractured eye socket against Geelong. And reigning North Melbourne BNF Luke McDonald is facing another stint on the sidelines after injuring his right pectoral muscle minutes into his return from a quad injury. It was in about the same passage of play that uh, Cam Zerha was uh, taken off and, and was used as the uh, the injury sub and the con- he was concussion subbed out of uh, the game. Um it's uh, it's a mounting toll, isn't it? And these are just some of the names that are out injured at the moment. I'm just crunching the numbers on injuries after round four this year compared to last year. Um, McDonald, Anderson, Dersma, uh, Butters, Hearn, Shuey, Rayner, Shield, Higgins, Canelio, Davis, Sisterly, Gunston, Whitfield, Heaney, Yo, Geary, Vloston, Prestia, Tarrant. There's some. It's an extensive injury list, and it seems to be to a lot of big names as well. And I wonder when this is going to, I wonder if it already is causing concern uh, amongst the hierarchy. Uh, 1300 736 736, of course, your say on the news of the day. Uh, Kate Simpson, speaking on the Dylan Friends podcast, has uh, gone public in a bid to make a shot comeback via the mid-season draft. Uh, this is what he had to say. I still wish I was playing, like, 100%. Um, Do you still reckon you, you could play this year? Yeah. I think you definitely could. Yeah. That's, and that's where it's funny, like, even now, like, for some stupid reason, I like, I still run and flog myself. And, and I in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, just imagine if someone 
now when you've got like mid-season drafts and all that sort of stuff, like I'm, I'm pretty fit still that if someone did just come knocking, I, wow. I would actually, I'm ready. I wouldn't be like, I haven't done a thing in six months. And that's just a stupid thing in my head that I'm, I'm still fit. Like I still think, and it, it got worse as like round one happened. I was like, you know, like, when- yeah, I don't know. Like, and even the way the games played as well, this year's a lot different to last year, which again would probably suit, feel like it would suit me as well. So, um, yeah, I haven't. I've, I'm dealing with retirement, but I haven't dealt with it as well. Um, so it's just a process that I'm going through, and yeah, I'm sure everyone's got. And I, it's funny, like everyone's like, "Oh, it's good to retire with a little bit left in the tank," and I was just like, "What? That makes no sense to me." Like, wow. I'll run. I want to run that thing dry. Yeah, <laughs> it's like dying with money in the bank. Like, if you've got money, like you're gonna spend it, aren't you? You're not That's gonna- incredible, man. I think you've. <laughs> A lot of Carlton supporters are going to be very rattled <laughs> and they're going to be very upset right now. Uh, that was Cade Simpson on the Dylan Friends podcast uh, with Dylan Buckley. It begs the question if you are a team and your team's in the top eight at the moment or around the top eight. And we're going to talk top eight a little later as well. There's a fascinating article that Max Lawton's written on the Fox Sports website about the top eight as it is now and what we can expect change-wise if you look back at history over the last 26 years and how much change there will actually be to the top eight. So if you're in the top eight at the moment, your side, or you've got a side that's in and around or you expect going to be in the mix, uh, the latter at the moment, the Bulldogs, the Ds, the Swans, the Power, the Crows, the Eagles, the Blues, the Tigers, and then outside the eight, uh, the team's on two and two, uh, Fremantle, Geelong, St Kilda, and then you've got Essendon and the Gold Coast in 13th and uh, down Collingwood, Giants, Brisbane, Hawthorne, North Melbourne to finish out the eight. But if you're in and around the eight, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 736 do you already identify that you've got a need for a running halfback flanker, a polished ball user, uh, an incredibly good citizen, a, a locker room guy who would automatically make um, an addition leadership-wise, locker room-wise, ball use-wise, a lot of big ticks there to, to Cade Simpson. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. It's not the craziest proposition in the world, but I'd like to know from you if you see a spot for a Cade Simpson. And when you look down at your team and think, geez, do we have a need? Is there a need that we're not addressing with Dash off half back? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Where would the fit be? Would West Coast maybe have a bit of a need for another half back flanker? Shannon Hearn uh, is another name that's gone down with injury. Do they look at uh, Do they look at Cade Simpson? Do Carlton look at getting him back? But you'd think that that would be unlikely, given that they went and got Adam Sard and uh, and they went and got Zach Williams. Oh, I couldn't see that happening. But uh, if there is a team that you think, geez, we could do with someone of your calibre and someone of your ilk, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. AFL coaches votes are in. By the way, Adelaide at Crows in the AFLW have officially today ruled out skipper Chelsea Randall for the AFLW Grand Final. Uh, with that concussion that she suffered in the prelim against Melbourne. So that's a devastating blow. Heart and soul player, marquee player, uh, one of the best players in the competition. It's a massive loss. Um, But the rule is brought in uh, to protect players from themselves often. And that's uh, what needs to happen here. So uh, I suppose it was a foregone conclusion when uh, she was ruled out of that game with concussion that she was going to be ruled out of the grand final. But uh, the official statement came out uh, today. Uh, and of course, uh, congratulations as well um, to Kate Roffey, who's um, just the third uh, woman to be a president of an AFL club. Seven years she's been on the board. She replaces Glenn Bartlett, who has stood down uh, a move that sort of shocked uh, a lot of people uh, outside the Melbourne Footy Club. 
So she's uh, the third female president behind Peggy O'Neill and Kylie Watson-Wheeler from Richmond and the Bulldogs, respectively, a former chief executive of the Committee for Melbourne, CEO of Vic Sport formerly, and a director for deals, investment and major projects uh, at Wyndham City. Uh, so highly credentialed and uh, has now taken up a role um, as the president uh, of the Melbourne Football Club. And um, she spoke to uh, she spoke to the ABC uh, a little earlier today, and I'll bring that for you uh, in just a moment. But one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Uh, Mark's given us a call in Sydney. Hello to you, Mark. Have we got you there, Mark? Hang on, Mark. Let me just fix this up here. Uh, we've done a studio change. There we go, Mark. Far away. Okay. Good evening, Sam. How are you? Very well, thanks. What have you got for me? Well, one reason why I am a big AFL fan instead of an NRL fan, even though Sydney is a big NRL city here, is that with NRL, you can't... If there's a howler of a decision made by the refs, the, ref, the um, coaches cannot say anything about how bad the decision is, otherwise they get fined. And I reckon that's bad. Because even though to me AFL is a better quality game, consider the number of howlers that reps have made during the past few weeks, especially during that Geelong Lions match. Even the commentators said it was a howler. And my question to you, wanting to learn more about it, is what can you know what penalties are handed down to referees if they make bad decisions like that? Are they given a red card? Are they suspended for a number of weeks or what? Well, I, my view on, on that is it's it's really what we've been talking about after the Chris Scott um, little bit of an alter, you know, the interaction with the players at quarter time. It's because you don't want that filtering down and being seen as acceptable to lower leagues as well. I mean, we, we want to make sure that we're respecting umpires' decisions. I believe that's why that... It's, it is how it is, and you get fined for criticising umpires' decisions, which is why the coaches can't. So I believe it's really about upholding a, a certain level of respect for the, uh, for the umpires it, it, because you want to make sure that there's still umpires coming through. And if you've ever gone and done a junior game or a, a, a gone to a game in the country um, or at the lower levels, you'll see that it's not an easy afternoon to be an umpire. I mean, some of the stuff that gets said over the fence is still... Pretty darn ordinary. And uh, it begs the question a lot of times, why would you bother uh, being an umpire given what they sometimes have to go through? On the other side of it, I think that if we're going to scrutinise and we are going to make sure that the game is reviewable and critiquable, that 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 those decisions can come into question a little bit more. And I, what I think would, do, would go a long way towards that, Mark, is having more openness and a more available umpiring fraternity. I know it's great to have Razor on. Whether you love him or hate Razor, it's great that he shows up every week and has a chat to Jared, answers questions from uh, from from you, the listener, uh, in regards to umpiring decisions and interpretations and adjudications. I, I think if they were out there a bit more visibly and a bit more publicly uh, discussing events of the week and uh, whether it be strategy or... or you know, trends in the game, then I think that it, it wouldn't probably be as a bigger issue maybe as it is to you. Yeah, but my point is bad decisions like that cost team games. You know, they yeah. cost teams a victory or a loss. Yeah, and... I, I don't think clubs would agree with you there, Mark. Clubs, will, will, that, that's not the first place they'll look. Like, if you look at Brisbane against Geelong the other week, so Chris Fagan doesn't think that that decision cost them the game. He's probably going back and looking at their goal kicking. He's probably going back and looking at moments through the game saying we had the chance to win it ourselves. So we shouldn't have to rely on a 50-50 not going, not, not that that was a 50-50. I think we all know that was a probably 99-1. Uh, 
Um, yep. but, I, but I don't think that's how the coaches look at it. Fans tend to do that a lot more than players and clubs because players and clubs and, and coaches know that they make a ton of mistakes themselves, far more than umpires yep. make during the course of the game. Yep. Yeah, I'm not sledging umpires for the sake of sledging umpires here. My point is, I think, um, and I know we've got VAR, and VAR is great, but unfortunately, 100% of the time, it's not correct. I just want the correct verdict in games on decisions as much as possible. But I think there should be some avenue for the coaches to be able to, if they're hacked off with umpires' decisions in the game, they should be able to say as much without risk of being fined. Because, I mean, it's just going to lead into a degree of complacency among umpires if it's not left, if it's not checked to me. And I think a really good mechanism to countermand that would be if teams had the option of appealing a bad refereeing decision, one per game perhaps. And I think that would put a lot of power back in the hands of the coaches and the players, mm. and it would make the fans feel a lot more, uh, shall we say, fulfilled and less cheated with regard to, you know, you get on Twitter and you have a look at how much fans are just up in arms about bad uh, umpire decisions. And I think that would do a lot more to redress the balance as it were. Uh, Mark, I appreciate the call and, and the suggestion. And it's been floated. Gary and Tim spoke about a review situation where maybe the captain could uh, get to review uh, a particular decision, the machinations of that. I'm a bit on the fence. Um, I think there's enough. I think if you're going to do that, then you've got to take away some of the other things that slow up the game, like getting the ruckman set and things like that. Otherwise, it's just going to be more delays in a game that we don't want. Um, I'm not totally opposed to it. Um, yeah, I'm not totally opposed to a a, a review situation. Um, but I, and I'm not totally opposed to uh, coaches being able to have their say on calls, depending on how it's done. But I just think that they've just put a blanket ban on it. Uh, and therefore, you just, it's not an area that you tread on. Um, can we have an umpire-free week on SEN? This topic has been done to death. There is nothing more to say. Thank you from Luke. So on the one hand, Mark in Sydney saying that there needs to be more done on that. And uh, Luke saying, no, don't worry about it. Uh, our game is too fast. We can't refute decisions live. That's from Gaza. Uh, 0433 98 11 16 off the temper text. Temper is a mattress like no other. Uh, Daniel's in Elwood. Hello to you, Daniel. Daniel, have you got me there? Hi. Yeah, I do, Sam. How are you, mate? Really well, thanks. Hey, mate, I'm a Carlton supporter. Um, I guess a bit sadder after the news on the weekend that Caleb Marchbank's going to be missing uh, an entire year off the back of an ACL. And just wanted to get your thoughts, mate, on injury and, I guess, the soft era of recruitment at Carlton because I took the opportunity on the weekend to watch a couple of, you know, the AFL draft stars, you know, all the build-up stuff they do. And I re-watched Charlie Kerno, who in his underage year was talking about his knee injury. Caleb Marchbank had stress fractures, then knee in his final underage year. I mean, for me as a Carlton supporter, obviously, you know, walk a mile in my shoes. I reckon it's bloody tough rebuilding a footy club when you're at the bottom of the ladder. But I reckon Soss spent a fair bit of those draft value index points in trade on blokes who've had injury history. So you've got Charlie Kerno, you've got Caleb Marchbank, Will Setterfield came to the club after an ACL, I think Matt Kennedy came after an ankle, Lockie Flowman after a knee. I mean, you know, maybe one of those pays off, but I just reckon that we spent a fair bit of, uh, of, of value on guys who, you know, top draft picks, injury histories. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on 
what you thought of his approach in, in drafting those blokes to the Carlton Footy Club? Yeah, I think it's an area where people might look at, um, and I understand why you have, but then I'll, I'll throw some other names up at you just to, I suppose, play devil's advocate. Joel Selwood slipped to number seven because uh, there were teams that were concerned uh, about him in terms of injuries. Um, and look at the career he's been able to forge. Jake Stringer had uh, what they described as a car crash-like broken leg uh, and was able to come back uh, and, and do what he's done, win a premiership, uh, and now he's, he's come back and he's playing brilliant football this year as well. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's a massive deterrent for recruiters, especially at a young age, because they back the body to be able to recover and heal. Um, and I think there's plenty of examples where that's been the case. And, and, and I suppose the best one for me, the, the best example I've got of that is Joel Selwood. Yeah, mate, I hear, and I reckon, you know, there's a bit of an availability bias when we think about these amazing injured pickups. So I think Juddy, I guess the next one that's going to be big is probably um, the King brother at St Kilda coming off an ACL. I mean, another one at Carlton's Brody Kemp, who we happened to take with a pick swap. Funnily enough, after we were looking to move on pick nine for Papley, we could have had Cozzy Pickett instead, which is going to be one that I reckon stings for a few years to come. But... Look, appreciate the thoughts, mate. I think it's just one of those ones where I wonder how many of those spins can you have when you're rebuilding? You know, I wouldn't mind if we'd done it once, twice, three times over a five-year period, but I reckon there's about six blokes on the list who do have those injury issues. And I think in retrospect, you know, I respect North Melbourne, for instance, for just going, let's lock in, uh, what's his name, that young gun who played on the weekend, Will, Will Powell. Phillips. Will Phillips and Tom Will Powell. Phillips, sorry. Yeah, Will Phillips, because they were saying Elijah Holland's best mid in the draft, guys coming off a knee. I just respect North Melbourne for going, look, you know, push comes to shove, he may be better, but we're at rock bottom. We probably can't afford to take that gamble. Got a high pick. Let's just lock in a blue chip bloke who we know is not coming off injury and, and see where it goes. So, yeah, my thoughts, mate. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully... You know, Kemp can come on good and, and we can get some, some good value out of Plowman still, but I do worry about all the other blokes that he's brought in with those injury histories. Uh, well, Daniel, fingers crossed that uh, I suppose you're not proven right. Hopefully your concerns are allayed uh, over time, but it's an interesting point and not one that I'd uh, ever thought to consider and I'd, I'd need to have a bit of a look, a deeper look into it. But uh, I appreciate the thought you put into it and taking the time to give us a call. Uh, 0433981116, the temper text in regards to the umpires. It's about 50-50 at the moment. Some people saying they want to talk more about it and other people saying it's been done to death. This text, are umpires allowed to look at the big screen? Maybe a middle ground would be allowed umps to glance up at the replay after a call if there's any doubt at all and then ball it up if they change their mind. I've given this literally 10 seconds of thought, so pardon me if there's a massive flaw in this idea. Uh, no, I appreciate you texting in. Um, I, I, I lean towards that line of thinking as well, that I think that in the time that they are taking to set the mark to, to do certain things... That and and you would have to put more thought into it in in terms of what particular free kicks it would it would go towards. Um, that maybe there is an option there to be able to look at those things via replay, like the incorrect disposal, like the Zach Bailey tackle, and maybe have someone say, actually, no, that's dropping the ball cold. But how you police that, how you would enforce that, maybe you're just making a rod for your own back and we're just pontificating here and, and speculating. Maybe that's more trouble than what it's worth. My drama with a, a bit of it at the moment is just like with the goal review system, the technology just might not be good enough um, to be able to do things like that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 your say on the news of the day. Uh, this is Time on SEN. On SEN, your home of sport. It's time on.
736 Welcome back to Time On. Your say uh, on the news of the day, just off the text, 0433 I'm sick of fans saying that umpires win games when there is a discrepancy in the free kick count. Why do people need to feel like free kicks should be even? Uh, that's a great point. Um, People would be surprised how accountable umpires are. Um, giving coaches a free swing at criticising umpires will do absolutely nothing to improve standards. Improvements come from within the umpire group. Uh, that's another very, very good point. Uh, umpiring definitely not as bad as Twitter and crowd booing suggest. I believe we've been starved of footy and our view is skewed. Combined with the umpires play into form like players, this happens every year. Also, thanks for saying pectoral. Uh, that's all right. From Mark in Essendon. Uh, Sammy, why do you reckon more hasn't been made of the Heaney-Langford incident? There's a clear strike. Heaney breaks his hand and next to nothing is said about it. Is it because Langford wasn't injured? Chris in Bateman's Bay. Chris, um, I'm going to sound like a coach here. I actually haven't seen the incident, so I won't comment on it, but I will go and have a look at it uh, and come back to you. Uh, do we expect too much from umpires? The rules change constantly. The game is congested, making it hard to see everything, and we still make them bounce the ball when I'd rather the best decision makers are in charge. It's not a series of one-on-ones as it was back in the day. That's from Rowan in Largs Bay. Uh, a lot more one-on-ones this year than there has been, Rowan, but I agree with you. It is certainly the hardest game in the world uh, to officiate, I would think, by far. Um, and on this one as well, sport is not about correct decisions. Life is not fair, and the sport teaches our kids in particular this fact. Accept the decision and move on. Train harder instead of focusing on umpires. That's some good advice there too. Uh, Gary and Tim this morning speaking uh, about the MRO not finding uh, a case that needs to be answered uh, for Jared Harbrow, the bump on Michael Gibbons. If we are saying that the head is sacrosanct and we're doing everything we can to take the bump out of the game and then we see another incident at the weekend Mm -hmm. where Jared Harbrow has bumped uh, little uh, Mickey Gibbons in the head. Okay, he went off the ground. He had Mm -hmm. the concussion test. I don't think he did have concussion, but he had the test, okay? Mm -hmm. And then that's not cited. The AFL should appeal this. That is ridiculous. The AFL, if you and I are both of the same opinion that the AFL are doing a good job in trying to stamp this out... They should come out this morning and say, Oversight. Michael Christian's doing a great job, doing the best he can, but on this occasion we don't agree with him. We will appeal this and send it to the tribunal. He had an option, Jared Harbrow. He had an option to go the ball. And he didn't. He didn't. He chose to bump. He hit Mick Gibbons in the head and it warranted a concussion test. Now, that is exactly what we're trying to stamp out of the game. And yet on this occasion, the match review, and maybe they, the parameters didn't allow them, but they have failed the system and the AFL should appeal it. Uh, Gary and Tim this morning on SEN Breakfast, uh, no case to answer, not even uh, a discussion, not even an explanation coming uh, from Michael Christian and the MRO in regards to the Jared Harbrow uh, and Michael Gibbons collision. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Other findings, Ben Cunnington offered a week for engaging in rough conduct against Adelaide's Rory Laird, assessed as careless, medium and high. Mitch Lewis handed a one-match ban for striking Caleb Sarong, assessed as intentional, low and high. Rory Laird fined 1500 for striking Kane Turner, Neville Jetta, two thousand for the dangerous tackle on Sam uh, Menegola, Jaeger O'Meara, two thousand dollars for striking Caleb Sarong, John Segler fined two thousand dollars for rough conduct on Michael Walters, Jack Scrimshaw, fifteen hundred for tripping Nat Fife, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I can't get my head around the Harbrow and Gibbons. I've watched it as many times as possible. I know the ball is at their feet, and maybe that's the saving grace, but it still looks to me as if Jared Harbrow has made a decision to bump. And I know that we still call that careless because we don't, for some reason, when even though we know that bumping is a decision that's made to bump, and I'm not a band the bump guy, by the way, but once you make the decision, then the results are on you. Um, so the player, Gibbons had to go off to have the concussion test. So 
even if you, I mean, if you look at Sam Reed, it was careless high and high. So even if you look at the matrix that they've got for these, it was careless. It did get him high. So even if the impact you say is low, then it's still a fine. So I just, it, it astounds me that it's a nothing. I mean, I'm, the, I'm not advocating for Harbour to be suspended. I'd, I would be, I would have been absolutely fine with a suspension, and I'm not coming after him. But, but it's a point that Jared Waitley made the other week. It, just when we think we've got this figured out, just when we think we understand the process and we understand the system, we get one like this, and you go, just throw your hands up in the air and go, okay, well, I've got no idea. I've got absolutely no idea. I'm looking at the matrix. I'm looking at the incident. I'm looking at the other incidents, and I'm thinking that looks to all add up. And then we get a decision like this. And you go, well, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll toss a coin. I'll just stop trying to figure it out. Maybe that's what the basket has got to go in. Maybe maybe we all, and, and not I, won't, I don't want to speak for everyone, maybe I, and let me know if you're with like me, maybe I just need to say, like the theory of relativity or quantum physics or... Many, many other great mysteries of the universe. I just will never understand this and just have to be satisfied that I don't understand. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dave's in Mernda who wants to talk Cade Simpson. Hello, Dave. Yeah, g'day, Sam. It's uh, good to have you on again. I, Thank uh, you. I was just uh, wondering your opinion, uh, firstly. Um, Cade Simpson just taking over a spot with Ben Patton there uh, at St Kilda because obviously they're going in for the kill this year, uh, you know, um, obviously it hasn't gone to plan so far this year, but um, I think it could be a nice fit down there just with the mature head. Uh, on that same thing, he doesn't need, you know, too much assistance with the coach because he's already actually dealt with the coach previously. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he has, uh, Brett Ratton. Um, I reckon they were teammates too, weren't they? Yeah, they, they would have crossed over. I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head. So, yeah, absolutely, there'd be no issue there, I wouldn't have thought. Um, I, I think he'd be a great fit for any side for, for a whole range of reasons that we listed earlier. Um, you get another leader, out-and-out out leader. Uh, you get another quality ball user. And the game, in terms of its congestion, has dropped rapidly. It's now more free-flowing. It's now more fast-moving. So that would just play right into the strengths of a Cade Simpson. So I, I think that it... And he has flagged it as if you are in the running for finals and I'm interested. Uh, we had a couple of texts saying, why wouldn't uh, Alistair Clarkson get him to Hawthorne? Because Hawthorne aren't going to play finals. And so whilst Alistair Clarkson may look at that and go, geez, I'd love to have a Cade Simpson, Cade Simpson isn't going to look at Hawthorne and say that's going to be the destination. Um, so I, I, I think that... Uh, St Kilda could definitely be uh, an option, Dave, and I appreciate the call. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Shane's on the road. G'day, Shane. Hey, Sammy. Um, look, point you made before, I think, is one hundred percent right. Players do make mistakes, so but they're at quarter time, half time, three quarter time. You see the coaches make them accountable by showing them video footage of what they should have done, where they should have been um, on the iPads. So we have a fourth umpire on the boundary line. Now, I'm not criticising the umpires for any particular decision or anything like that or any week, but why can't they have a similar thing where an umpire comes out with an iPad and goes, look, you know, keep an eye on this one or readjust your decision-making on that one? I think it's pretty simple. I mean, if players should be... Oh, they, they do that internally, Shane. I may have misunderstood you, but they certainly do that internally. They review every game that they uh, that they officiate. Yeah, but on the, on the spot, quarter time half-time, three-quarter time. So the fourth umpire comes out, shows them the iPad, just like the, the uh, players' coaches do at three-quarter time, so they can readjust 
you know, some decisions rather than at the end of the game, through the game. Um, I, I, I think that I hear what you're saying and I, and I understand the thinking behind it I, because I don't think that these decisions that they're either missing or, or not getting right are a mindset thing. I think they're just an interpretation in a split second. So it can't change anything in the moment. If... If it was, if if you if you looked at an umpire who who you'd seen for the first half, for the first half was completely in the wrong position, every time that it was in their area, then I'm sure that would happen naturally anyway. Whether it be the senior umpire that's there or uh, whoever's looking after the umpires on the day, but in terms of looking at a decision that's been made, I don't know if that would actually do anything to help them because I don't think they're making what would we'd see later as the wrong call because of a mindset, if that makes sense. Whereas players will be looking, well, you're not, so, you know, you're not working, you're not in the right spot there, you're not running to the right spot here. Um, I, I think that's why they've got the iPads out there for the playing point of view. Yeah. Okay, well, that's... Look, uh, the way you make, the, the way it sort of sounds there is it's good for one, but it's not for the other. I mean, I'm not criticising the umpires. Mm. I'm saying that they could improve through the game. It's not a criticism. It's mm. a... You know, players are being being paid massive money and, and some of them just make sheer stupid mistakes, just like umpires. You know, like, I buried to Sydney and I'm glad they didn't ping the Ruckman in the last quarter you know, for holding the ball. But, you know, they make mistakes. Same as players. They should be held accountable at quarter time, three quarters. And it's not being held accountable. It's the wrong word. It's, it's showing them footies and saying, do you think you got this right in the split second? Players make split decision decision as second decisions as well. You know, I'm, again, I'm not criticising. I'm yep, just no, saying I understand. There's, there's, there's always room for improvement through the game rather than the post game. Shane, I, I appreciate the thought you put into it, and I appreciate you giving me a call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And Lockie from Clayton, uh, this one gets thrown up a lot. How can we attack umpires when the AFL refuse to make them professional and full time? Uh, myself and Terry Wallace have gone uh, head-to-head on that a few times. I'm of the belief of a full-time setup, and Plough's very valid point about all this, and one that I don't know if I've still got the takedown argument for is they get better by doing, so how much more can they actually do? And that would be the challenge in making umpires full-time. So whether or not it's that they officiate school games during the week, um, there's a lot of footy that goes on through the week and whether that can be part of it. Um, or it's uh, trainings, I'm not sure. But uh, the um, the argument does come up when we talk umpires about professionally uh, and about having them as full-timers, uh, and that's been brought up again off the text. Uh, Andrew, John, Josh, Dave, Jared, Tom, stay right there. I'll get straight to you after this. On SEN, your home of sport, time on. Welcome back to Time On. Sam Hargraves filling in for Sam Edmund. Uh, John has called on the road. Just before we get to John, uh, NAB Rising Star nomination for round four. This guy got a nomination in the final home and away round last year after a lot of people thought he was burnt in round 17 of season 2020. Lockie Scholl had 31 touches against North Melbourne and 80% efficiency, had eight marks and kicked a goal. Picked 64 in his draft year. Um, This is a great story. It's just another fantastic example of just how deep the draft can go. Uh, Picked 64 in the 2018 draft. And he is the round four NAB Rising Star nomination uh, for this uh, season. So congratulations to Lockie Scholl. They've found one there, uh, that's for sure. Uh, John's on the road. Who wants to have a chat? Hello, John. 
G'day, Sam. Look, I'm really peed off, Sam. Uh-oh. I reckon Michael Christian's got to go. Now, let's turn the clock back a couple of weeks. Now, are you familiar with a Fremantle AFLW uh, women, the, the, the lady that Kiara did that horrendous tackle? Kiara Bowers. And she, yeah, she wasn't even cited because, A, she's uh, probably a red-hot favourite to win the women's uh, She actually was. She was cited and got the charge downgraded. So she was still found guilty, but when contesting the charge, got it downgraded. So she was still of found course, guilty, but of a lesser charge. Yeah, but it's the way they word the charge, which puts the player in a no-win situation. Now, Jared Harbrow, I'm with you, mate. That is a joke. Let's face it, the AFL funds the Gold Coast, and therefore they do everything to protect them. Ben Cunnington, oh, he's a North player. They're going to finish last. The Hawthorne player, they're going to finish second last. Let's just rub them out. There's no repercussions there. It is an absolute joke when it comes to um, the charges being laid. They look at what the repercussions are. They look at what the long-term consequences are. Then they base their decisions. Let's not sugarcoat it. Secondly, with the umpires. A couple of weeks ago, the Blitzarves won. If that game was not played at Cadinia Park, that would have been paid dropping the ball. They should put earmuffs on the umpires because the sound of affirmation is so rife this year. The hometown teams, the home ground teams, they just get the rub of the green. And I'm just sick of it. Why? They're supposed to be professional as these blokes. Umpire it the way you see it, not the way that you could be perceived to uh, be upsetting the crowd. As the same with Michael Christian, he's just going with the flow. I've just had a gutful. The game's great, but the way it's been officiated and the way it's been administered is a joke. Uh, John, I appreciate the the passion and I appreciate the call. Um, yeah, the, the, the Cunnington one, I'm just having a look at it now just to refresh my memory. I actually called that game and I remember um, seeing it. Uh, at the time, but the play had sort of gone on. So we only had the chance to see it uh, on a replay. Um, I actually think the Harbrow incident is worse. Um, it's certainly for the the uh, the effect that it had. Um, the concussion test, and I, and I know that uh, Rory Laird had to go off the ground as well. The eye test, for me, I've got the, um, the Harbrow bump... Uh, visually looks worse uh, to me. So, as I said, John, uh, I, I, fe- I hear your frustration. I feel your frustration. I've just decided that this is one thing, like many things in the universe, that I just will not understand. Uh, and maybe I need to give up trying, um, which is a sad indictment um, that we can't get um, a bit of consistency uh, in that particular space. Um, Dermot Brereton has spoke about the about this today with Bob and Andy, where not so much along the term sounds of the not so much in terms of the noise of affirmation, but certainly that in the last sort of five minutes of close games, the whistle goes away. He was very big on that and strong on that today. SEN.com.au uh, to hear the thoughts of the five-time day, five-time night premiership winner. Um, Tom, uh, we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, Lindsay in Somerville. Hello, mate. Yeah, good day, Sam. Look, um, the last guy took my thunder a little bit. I think it is the noise of affirmation and the, the silence of non-affirmation that, that affects the outcomes in the last quarter. It's not a matter of putting back the whistle, putting away the whistle. Now, in the case of the um, Blitzarves one, that umpire didn't make a mistake. He froze. He just froze. He saw it, but he wasn't going to pay it. Now, if that crowd had have screamed, if it had been a Brisbane player that was tackled, the comfort of that screaming um, crowd would have allowed him to, to pay it. 
Now, the same with Hickey. I mean, if that had been an Essendon player, Hickey would have had the, the free kick paid against him, 100%. But, but you have a look at it. The last guy is right, that, that the umpires may put the whistle to some degree, away the whistle to some degree. But, but if you have a one-sided crowd, it always ends up, you know, that those sort of decisions go to the, go to the um, team with the majority of supporters. Mm. I mean, the stats will show you that. I'd have to, Lindsay, I'd, just ha- I'd have to have a look at that because I, it's not something I notice when I'm calling the games, but I know it's something that fans absolutely do discuss uh, and of which I'm one and lucky enough to be able to commentate our great game. It's not something that stands out to me in the moment, but I would love to try and get the stats on it. The other thing I would just point out about all this too is, and you talk about the big moment and whether or not that umpire froze. Well, they've admitted that it was a mistake that it was made. If Zach Bailey goes, does get that free kick, goes back, has that kick and misses then what do we say about Zach Bailey? I, would ima- I don't imagine that the fans would come at, as hard at him as they have gone at the umpires. And that, I think, is something that stands out quite evidently, that we would much prefer to go at the umpires than we would our own team because we feel our own team sometimes is part of our family and we have a bias towards our own team, which is totally understandable. Um, and, and, and we just don't have it within us to be able to point the finger at our team for not winning a game that should have been won. So we look to want to blame somebody, and it's always the easiest option. I'm not saying that umpires don't make mistakes. They do because they're human. You know, that's why the players don't kick at 100% kicking efficiency. We don't have the goal-kicking accuracy for the round was 51%. The round before, it was about 48%. So that would show you that by far and away, players make more mistakes than umpires, by far and away. Yet they don't receive as much of the criticism Although Josh Dunkley would probably beg to differ if you read his article in ESPN and uh, the just disgraceful, inhumane filth that was sent to him uh, back in 2017. Um, but, I, but I think it's sometimes a bit easier to point the finger at, at umpires than it is at the players when players make mistakes. And they will make mistakes because they're human. We will all make mistakes because we're human. And, and a lot of our coaches will tell you that their belief is that the players would make more mistakes than the umpires throughout a game. But I appreciate uh, the thoughts on that. Uh, Tom in South Australia. Hello, Tom. Hey, Sam. Before, let me have my say, all right? Got a lot of people, I know. Tommy, I've got a lot of people lined up, and I know oh, you're oh, 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 right. you right? to come off the long oh, run, oh, my oh, friend. Oh, I know you like to come off the long run. Oh, go for it. Now, yeah? Yeah, go for it. Yeah? I tend to agree with that last car supporter. I know you've gone on about, oh, because Joe Selwood was picked up. Yeah, but that's one player, Sam. He's right. I agree with the guy. We, we've tended to pick up injury-prone players. And unfortunately, I rate Charlie, and also I rate Jack Marley, a good player, but he's been injured since we got him too. The problem is, I think, oh, Dan Grew, what has he done? I don't know. He's right. And the thing about Charlie Kern, he's done an interview before he got drafted, and man, he's been injured in his junior days. So we picked him up. So you go over Joe. That's one player. We picked up about five, six of them, Sam. Yep. That's a problem with Carl. Okay, Tom, just temper it back down. Well, don't, don't you agree? Can't, can't, just bring it back down a notch. Um, we don't oh, need sorry. Don't you agree? No, we don't need to yell at each other. Um, yeah, I know. I, I would, don't you agree? I, I, I'm not going to give a definitive opinion on it until I've gone and had a look at it myself because I think that oftentimes... Well, hang on. Hey, no, 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 hang on. Tom, you asked me what I thought. Oh, oh. Did I agree? And I'm answering your question. So give me the courtesy. 
I'm not going to definitively say that Soss has done the wrong thing and recruited injury-prone players when I haven't actually gone back and had a look at his full recruiting history and then had a look at the injury records of those players. And there are heaps of different uh, stories of players who got injured during junior years, who were drafted and went on to have long, successful careers. Uh, players get injured. That's just what happens. We play a contact sport. We play a fast and physical sport. Players get injured. If Carlton fans, though, feel like Soss has recruited injury-prone players, I'm more than happy to accept that. I just played devil's advocate for that chat, talking about other teams that have recruited players that slipped in the draft because of injuries, and they turned out fine. It's a bit of a coin toss when it comes to drafts. Uh, but, Tommy, always love to hear from you and I, how passionate you are uh, about your blues. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, Tom's in Berwick. G'day, Tom. Yeah, g'day, mate. Uh, I want to talk today, or firstly, about the umpiring. I'm never going to bash an umpire because every year, I can't think of any other job in the world where every year your KPIs change. Yeah, and exactly. I, I really do feel sorry for the umpires. I really, really do. Um, just on the MRO, though, with Michael Christian, purely and simply, if Harbrow was a big body midfielder, he would have been given a week. It's just it's clear as day. And I think the supporters have had enough of inconsistencies as well. Like, for instance, I'm a kangaroo supporter. So, like, over the juniors, the Eagles been rubbed out for some of the ticky-touch stuff. I can guarantee you if there was someone like a Harbrow doing the same thing as he would have done, it would never have been a week. Um, and I think just as supporters, all we want from Mocker Christian is consistency. Now, that, that's, that's all we ask for. But, um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. Uh, and appreciate the call, Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, still a lot of people lining up to have their say. We're going right through, so we'll come take a great, take a break, come back. So Paul and Daniel and uh, Michael and Dave, uh, stay right there. I'll be back with you after this. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on. 1-300-736-736, of course, is the number. Having a little chat, uh, the noise of affirmation conversation has been coming through. Uh, off the text, uh, mate, look at Essendon v Sydney. 100% more free kicks to Sydney. Countless examples of 50-50 uh, important calls going one way only. For example, four deliberates uh, to Sydney, zero to Essendon. Uh, none of Essendon frees against were overly wrong. All very arguably errors, but all four on one side. Hardly isolated human error when the numbers are that stark. You need to look at the data more openly and be open, it, be open to it telling you something, not simply brushing it off. I didn't brush it off. I said I don't have the stats in front of me. And all I said was that it's not something I notice very much when I'm, when I'm commentating the games. It's not something that stands out. But then again, we are looking at a whole range of different things during a game, not just uh, the umpiring. So I thought I'd go back and have a look through the round um, before we finish up and stay on the line uh, because we're, we'll go into seven for Sporting Capital. Um, so there, there, there might be something in this. I want to go back over the course of the year and maybe I'll have to go back a little deeper. But just for round four, let's have a look at it. Sydney, 29 free kicks to 16 Essendon. So there's a discrepancy there. It doesn't mean they all weren't there, um, but there was a discrepancy. So you might have a point there. Port Adelaide, uh, 22 free kicks uh, against the Tigers. Uh, is that 12? Um, I can't read my own handwriting. Uh, I'll go and have a Hang on. Uh, this is uh, Port Adelaide. I've just done this on the fly during the ad break. So uh, 22 free kicks to 12 Port Adelaide's way. Western Bulldogs, 30 to 16 over the Lions. St Kilda, 21-23. So um, minus two to the home team there. Uh, Gold Coast, uh, 24-17 over Carlton. Collingwood, 24-27 over the Giants. North Melbourne, 28-26 in terms of Adelaide. Uh, 23-21 Melbourne over Geelong. And 19-16 Frio over Hawthorne. Uh, so that's where it stands at the moment with the home team getting uh, a free kick advantage. I'll have to go back and have a look more into it. I'll take your advice on board there, sir. Um, Dave in Turidan, uh, Michael, Daniel... 
Sporting Capital straight after this. So don't go anywhere. Stay on the line. We'll continue to roll your calls through. And we'll do Heroes and Villains. Spider Everett's going to join me too after 7.30 to have a chat uh, about the Saints. Uh, so stay with me. Uh, Sporting Capital's up next. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.